Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. How, how are you guys? Doing well? My name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here, and welcome to the Vineyard. If this is your first time here, we're so glad that you made it. When I was a kid, uh, I would walk home with my cousins after school. We would go to his house or their house, and they had the biggest, boringest backyard. It was large. It was sandy. Uh, It was just even. There were no trees in it, and it was full of these prickly, stickly, southern things called sand spurs. They've about eradicated them around here now. You don't see as many as you used to, but they used to be everywhere. But there was not much we could do in that backyard except get into the terrorizing one another with sand spur wars, which wore itself out quickly. And uh, we retired to the garage between the two houses, my cousin's house and the neighbor's, which was our kind of clubhouse. And, and we, one day we looked past the backyard, the boring backyard, and there was this, I don't know why we never noticed it, this huge green wall of trees. It almost looked like it was continuous uh, in the back. And so being eight, nine-year-olds, we said, is it worth the journey to tiptoe through the through the sand spurs to get back there to see what maybe what that holds. It looks like there's a looks like there's a door almost in there. So we made our way back and as soon as we got to the boundaries and we stepped into this green opening, it was like being <laughs> it was like being transported onto the pages of Swiss Family Robinson. All of a sudden we were in this cathedral of green vines that just wrapped all around us. And I mean, from small vines to big vines. And there was a ceiling of vines over us. And we could see a little bit of the sunlight coming through the vines. But it was just draped down this way. And maybe four or five trees this big around or so holding up the whole ceiling. And as we walked in the grove underneath the ceiling, we decided, hey, wonder what it looks like on the other side of the ceiling, up top. And so eight, nine-year-olds, we started scrambling for a claiming our trees and we started scrambling and climbing up the trees and when we got to the edge where the vines were we had to push our way through and squirm our way through till we got on the other side of that net which was a ceiling but now became the floor of this new room and now we could see most of the sky above us and then below us standing on the limbs looking down probably 150 feet, well, it felt like it, down <laughs> down onto this green, just kind of moving with the trees in the breeze. We looked down, and, of course, all of us looked at each other. And somebody, I don't know who, but somebody yelled, jump! <laughs> you know, you just don't know how strong something is until it has to save you. We're in our series called I Am Jesus as we make our way toward Easter. And today we're going to be over in John 15, verse 5, 
where Jesus had a conversation with his best friends. This is actually the last of the seven sayings, uh, the I am sayings, but we're going to have another one next week. But this is the last in that series as you make your way through the book of John. In John 15, 5, we read this. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to breathe life on your word this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to look at your word, to learn from you. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus has already had that wonderful meal that we call the Last Supper. This happened before this, these three chapters, this John 14, 15, and 16. Very rich, rich text, all three chapters. And uh, he's had the Last Supper. He's broken the bread. He's lifted up the cup of the wine. And they've left that upper room, walked down through the streets of Jerusalem, and making their way over to the Kidron Valley, and then eventually, as you well know at Easter time, to the Garden of Gethsemane. But on their way, they had to pass by the temple. And I would like to think that uh, as Jesus' habit was to go in the temple and teach, I'd like to think that he went in the temple on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And if he had, when he walked in there, he would have come upon the curtain at the Holy of Holies that hung. Huge curtain. And across the top of it would have been these golden grapevines. Huge grapevines and and grapes that had been fashioned out of cloth and out of gold that wealthy people would come and give their offerings and they would take the metal. The metal workers would fashion these grapes and these clusters and and add to it. And and history, Josephus and historians tell us that some of the grape clusters were as big as human beings, just hanging off the curtain. And of course, the vine across the curtain of the Holy of Holies at, uh, at the temple was supposed to represent the nation of Israel because it was the hope of supposedly of the nation, of all the nations, that God was speaking through Israel. I would like to think that at that point in time, Jesus stopped with his disciples as he's having these words and pointed to that vine and said these words, I am the vine. Like no longer is Israel the vine because that whole method, that whole, the laws and the sacrifices and all of that have failed. Now I am the true vine. I'm the vine. And as they looked at it, they knew that Israel, always Israel had been called the vine. But Israel had failed over and over again. The law had failed to deliver anyone. And now Jesus was on the scene making his way between the Last Supper and when he was arrested. This is that, those few chapters in between those two times. It's kind of like last words, isn't it? I mean, your last words are your important words. And Jesus is having this conversation with people he really likes to be with and that he loves, his disciples. And so John 14, John 15, and John 16 is a very, very, uh, I'd say, heartfelt conversation with those who are going to be left with the mission to do what Jesus had called them to do. So it's serious words. And in the midst of this, as we read, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You have a fill-in in your handout today, and if you want to you want to follow along with me, you can. And uh, back in the very first verse of chapter 15, he qualifies uh, himself as the true vine. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, if he's the true vine, there must be a false vine or vines, or he wouldn't have qualified himself as the true vine. 
He's, tell, he's telling his followers, he's telling his disciples, don't get connected to false vines. Don't get connected to sources that cannot be there for you when you need it to be there. Don't be connected with vines that you think will give you life for what I've called you to that are not going to be able to give you and not going to be able to empower you the way that I want to empower you to get done what I need for you to do. Now, we all have got false vines as well. We all have false vines. I mean, it doesn't mean they're bad vines. It just means we can't trust them completely many times in our life. I mean, think of some things. False vines. If a vine or if this thing can be taken away from you, then it's a false vine. Anybody think of a false vine? Your job. There you go. I, you got a great job. You love your job. You're successful at your job. And you trust your job. It has been there for you over and over and over again. But you know, most of us know, maybe there's nobody that's ever been let go in here. <laughs> but most of us know that that vine is a false vine. That it can be taken away at any moment. As good as the vine is, it won't meet the need for what we have and what we need to have. And what's something else? How about uh, your social status in life? I mean, your popularity or, or because of your talent or because of your prestige, your social status. Maybe right now you're really reveling in that and like uh, people really respect me and, and they look forward to me being with them and... How many of you know that that can be jerked out right from underneath you? That vine as well, many times not your own doing. But it can be taken away from you and you can be dropped, left. And then there's even family. As good and awesome as family is, I don't have to tell some of you in here that family has not been a true vine for you. It hasn't been there. It hasn't caught you and you haven't gotten, you haven't received life from it the way that you deserved. You didn't get it. It wasn't there. It was a false vine. And I I believe in all of this, Jesus is saying by qualifying that he's the true vine. That indeed, my dear friends, do not get connected nor trust too much in a false vine because where I'm calling you, you're going to need to be connected to the real thing. Me. There are going to be some challenging days ahead for these disciples. Just like there's challenging days ahead for us. Secondly, second feeling is this. Now, the question begs in. How do I even know if I'm connected to the true vine? How do I know if it's false or if it's true? I know I'm connected to the true vine because I am bearing much fruit. Jesus says in 15.5, I am the true vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, how do you know you're connected? Is it because you've got a date when you got connected? Like I have this date on my calendar. I got a date, May 1st, 1961. It's my favorite date. I will never forget that date. May 1st, 1971 is when I met Jesus at a surfing contest in a ratty hotel room. And it totally changed everything. Well, I got a date, but does 
is that date, I mean, is that date anything? Is that going to hold me now here in March 2015? Just the date? Can I just look back at the date? Is that going to do anything for me as wonderful as it is? Does that prove that I'm attached to the true vine? Is it because you signed a card? Not having been in church before I was saved, but just a few times when I finally went to church, the first thing they did is they stuck a card in front of me. I mean, I walked up to the front because they said, hey, if you want to believe in Jesus, I kind of got saved 15 times in the first four days when I was a Christian. <laughs> because any time they called an altar call, we went to some conference. I mean, it was on the football field at Coastal Carolina, and I think some Miss South Carolina was speaking or something. And she did, she did this call, and I looked over at Karen, and I said, I'm going. She said, you're a Christian. I said, I'm going. <laughs> you know, and I took off. I'm like, you know, you, you just... Is it because you fill out a card and you go, okay, I'm a, you know, I've checked this box off and, and so that means I'm connected. That means I'm connected to the true vine. Is that, is it, is it because you're a member of a church? It, that means you're connected? You're a member of the vineyard here, this church? Does that mean you're connected to the true vine? You're a pastor at a vineyard church. Does that mean you're connected to the true vine? Is that where we get the proof of actually having Him in our lives and connected to Him in such a way that we get this empowerment and we get this strength to face life and to do life so differently? I don't think so. How do we know? Jesus says it clearly. He says fruit. It's just not a matter of acknowledging who Jesus is. It is having Jesus spiritually connected to our inner selves, our inner life. Now, fruit. What are some of the fruit that comes out of our life that shows us we're connected? Well, let's just use John 15 to look at some of the, some of the fruit that we can find in here. Your first one there is prayer. Here's fruit. Prayer. John 15, 7 and 16. Ask whatever you wish, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. You know, your relationship with another person is growing when your conversations become deeper, don't you? If you spend time with someone and you enjoy being with them, after a while, your conversations, you start relaxing, right? When you first get a relationship with someone and you begin to talk and you're hanging out, you're kind of guarded, right? I mean, most of us are. We, just, we don't show everything. We probably put our best foot forward and we, we talk and we share a little bit, but the next conversation, we're a little more comfortable and then the next one... and. Before too long, you hear your mouth opening up and you go, I can't believe I just said that. A real part of you came out because you're starting to feel comfortable with our relationship with God. Part of the fruit and that we are connected to the true vine is that our conversations become easier. That's just called prayer. When we talk to God, suddenly we're, it's easier for us to, to talk to Him. It's easier for us to be ourselves. It's easier for us not to parse our words, to be so careful. Because with your friends, you don't, do you? Like I said, sometimes we embarrass ourselves. We're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm not that close to them yet. But the deeper you get in that relationship, the more of you that comes out. It's true. It's a fruit with God, too. It's a fruit of us spending time with God. Our conversations with Him, easier, more meaningful. And then there's love. 
the fruit of love. John 15, 9, 12, 13, and 17. So many times spoken here. So have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is my command. Love one another. And that's out of a relationship too. That's the fruit. of. I mean, my wife and I, we got married three months after I became a Christian. So I have been in love with her almost the same amount of time I have been in love with Jesus. Just three months along. Well, I was still in love with her. Actually, two years prior. So I was in love with you three years prior to meeting Jesus. But our love has grown. And I know that we're tapped in to God because just as our relationship with God has grown, so has our relationship in our marriage has grown. Love deepens when your relationship deepens, right? It continues. And so is it with God. Jesus told his disciples, the same love that I have that's going to take me to the cross, I'm going to give to you. Now that's some love. (laughs) The same love that will take me to all of that pain and all of that suffering, I am going to give to you, my friends, because you're going to need this. And this is going to be evidence that you're tied into the true vine, me, because you're going to have love for others just like I do. Love, that's part of the fruit. Part of the fruit. And John 15, 10 says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Obedience is part of the fruit. If you love someone, if you're in relationship, friendship, or whatever with someone, eventually you kind of get into this reciprocal. On a human level, it's this reciprocal relationship of, you know, if someone wants you to do something, you'll do everything you can for them. They're like, I'll help. I'll, I'll do whatever I can to help you. Move in. If you're running short on money, I'll help. I'll be there for you. I'll do everything I can. It's reciprocal. And, and so we kind of obey each other. We find ourselves helping one another. And, all. And, and Jesus says part of the fruit of being connected to the true vine is that you find yourself doing what God says. You, you, you find yourself loving the way God called you to love. It's a fruit obedience is and then john 15 11 joy john 15 11 i have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete (laughs) that my joy can be in you and you will have all the joy you need it'll be complete that's that's like exceedingly wonderful right there joy Any good, healthy relationship should have a measure of joy in it, right? I mean, there ought to be some laughter. There should be some happiness in it. There should be, I mean, you should be a joyful person because relationships that don't have joy, (laughs) not fun, right? And Jesus says, if you're tapped into the true vine, then sure enough, there's going to be joy in your life. People are going to see it. They're going to see that you're with me and and you're tapped in to me. Good relationships have an element of joy. Now, I know what you're saying. Everybody in here right now, especially if you are a church-going person, if you're a church-going person, you're going, okay, I know where this is headed. I've got to have more obedience. Let me see. I've got to love more. I need to be more of a joyful person. I've just been a sad sack lately. i just got to try more and more. i got to do more. i got to do more and more and more and more. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's not. So take a deep breath. 
in through your nose. Here we go, okay? Relax. All right, here we go. Ready? This will help you. Come on. Yes, God. We're <laughs> relaxed enough to hear you. <laughs> yes, God. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is, if you are connected to the true vine, you will bear fruit. You don't see a branch like grapevine, the branch going, you know, that sounds a little crass, but it might produce something, but you know, bang, there's a grape or there's an apple or there's whatever. What does the branch do? The branch remains in the vine. And out of the vine comes all the nutrients that it needs to produce the fruit. I want to tell you, you cannot help but produce fruit if you're connected to the tree vine. Relax. Relax. That's the difference in religion and Jesus. Religion says you got to do more. Religion says let me do more through you. Relax. Just relax. Relax. It's, you don't judge one another. We don't look at each other and go, hey, i got to bear more fruit. How about you? Yeah. Man, I need more fruit in my life. I don't know. Some of you probably do need more fruit in your life. And fruit. And it's not that. It's like as I develop the relationship with the true vine, all of a sudden I see in my life more love, more joy. I want to obey. Matter of fact, it's a joy to obey. And you just see it being developed as the, as the vine grows and as you pull the nutrients from it, that's who you are. That's what you do because you're connected to the true vine. And Jesus is telling his best friends, look, in the days ahead, there's going to be a lot of people pushing on you and trying to expect you to do this and that, and they're going to be judging you, and they're going to be uh, just expecting all kinds of things from you and telling you that you are not part of the true vine, but listen to me. You stay in me, and you'll produce fruit. And my Father, who is the gardener, is going to take care of you producing plenty of fruit. You just stay in me. You just stay in me. He's a good gardener. I'm the vine. You're the branches. The branch, the only thing the branch has to do is abide. It has to stay in the vine, the true vine. You get this? This is good news, man. I like it. I like it. Fruit bearing is not a test. And a branch does not have to demonstrate a level of productivity to be safe from destruction. Fruit bearing is a byproduct. It's a byproduct of the relationship. And you can't make yourself produce fruit. You can't. Ten times Jesus uses the word abide in this passage of Scripture. Ten times in ten verses. Your your, uh, version may say remain. It's the same word. Remain, abide. Abide in me. Remain in me. Do you think he's trying to make a point? Abide. Abide. Stay in me. Remain in me. And you will bear much fruit. Now, watch your life and just watch it. Watch it blossom. Watch the fruit come out of it. Now, here's a saying I want you to say with me. This is the next fill-in. Say this. Abiding is thriving 
not just surviving. Say it with me. Abiding is thriving, not just surviving. Now, I want to give credit where credit is due. The pit crew, my preachers in training, we gathered on Tuesday nights, were with me Tuesday night, and they were helping me with this sermon. And so we were throwing out this scripture and throwing it out, and I had these post-its, giant post-its all over the wall, and we're brainstorming. And all of a sudden, one of them says that. Abiding is thriving, not surviving. And we all went, whoa. It was like that moment when you go, I get it. I get it. I get it. Abiding in the vine is not just getting by. It's not just surviving. It's not scratching out an existence. It is thriving. So I want to give you some examples. Uh, These are for you to fill in as well. Down at the bottom of thriving and not just surviving. One is joy. When joy is prevalent in our lives. Over in 2 Corinthians 8.2, Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthians church uh, and he's trying to get them to get on board with giving and to support some missions opportunities. And so he says this, 2 Corinthians 8.2, Out of the most severe trial there, talking about the Macedonian church, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Can you, do you hear that play on of words? That severe poverty, but it, extreme poverty, but it welled up in rich generosity. Now that's not surviving. That's thriving. Paul says there is a church in Macedonia that doesn't have much. Matter of fact, they don't have, they have very, very little. But when they heard about you guys, the churches in Jerusalem needing support because there was famine and there was trouble and they needed support, this church who was under so much poverty gave in generosity. Now that's thriving, not just surviving because what would most of us do? Man, we're barely making it ourselves, you know. I mean, we got to survive here. If we give anything of what we got, we won't make it. But this church goes Give us a chance to be a part of it. We want to give. We want to be a part of supporting those missionary efforts. And that's thriving in the midst of a situation. that Why? Because joy was prevalent in their lives. Joy. Look at Acts 16, 22 through 25. All of this is in your handout, by the way. I put all these scriptures in there. You can follow along. Acts 16, 22 through 25. This is... That thriving and not just surviving is prayer or praise. When you see that in your life, I mean, that's part of being connected to the vine, the true vine. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Stripped, beaten, flogged, thrown into prison, into the inner part of the prison where they can't even, they don't even have a window. And if they were to escape, they would have to go through all the halls and all the other other cells. Their feet in stocks. Now surviving would go, I just got to hold on. Maybe somebody's going to maybe somebody's going to come and rescue us. But let me tell you, being connected to the true vine goes way beyond survival. Because what do they do? 
they are praying and they are singing worship songs. (laughs) After they've been stripped, flogged, beaten, and put in stocks, they begin to worship and to pray. And I love the last part of this. It says the other prisoners were listening. They were taking note that here was a group of people that somehow were tapped in and connected to something much different than what the other prisoners were connected to. Thriving, abiding is thriving, not just surviving. That's what the true vine offers us. In uh, Philippians 1.20, and this is courage for your fill-in. Courage. In Philippians 1, 20 through 24, Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Now, this is not surviving. Paul says, there are some people who want to kill me. But you know what? That's okay. Kill me. I'll see Jesus. If you don't kill me, then I'm going to stick around and tell everybody else about Jesus. But you know what? I'm kind of torn between the two. I don't know. Uh, If they take my life, that's pretty sweet. I get to see the one I've been serving all my life. I finally get to be with him. But if you guys don't take my life, it's all right, because I want to hang out, and probably it would be really good if you leave me here for these folks, because then I can teach, and then I can disciple, and I can tell more people about Jesus. But... You know, whichever way, it's good with me. That's not surviving. That's thriving. And that's what being connected to the true vine brings to our life. It brings so much more than just getting by. and So much more than having to wonder if we can trust what's holding us or what's giving us life. And then there's love. Love. This amazing ability to be able to love in a new way that Jesus gives us. 1 John four sixteen through 18 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among you so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. That's on the day we stand before God. In this world... We are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Naeem talked about this last week. How that this perfect love drove out all the fear in his life. And this perfect love that is made available to those who are connected to the true vine says... In this world, in this world, not in the next world, in this world, we are like Jesus. We have nothing to fear. We are like Jesus. We have the love of God that has been freely given to us. And so Paul tells his friends, he says, this is what it will mean for you to be connected to me. You're going to need this love in your life in the days ahead. 
to sustain you and to support you. Because I've called you not just to survive, but to thrive. And the only way to do that is to abide in me. By the way, when I jumped off of that tree, it held just perfectly. As it did for the four other guys who jumped right after me and on top of me. (laughs) It was a beautiful, wonderful memory. The end of this conversation, Jesus looks at his friends and he goes, You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I chose you, or some translations say, I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. He chose you. And He will bear fruit through you. Now the question is, are you connected to the true vine? Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.